Hey everyone. I'm here to talk to you today about an issue that's really important, which is how we do our work. Work has become such an all-consuming part of so many of our identities, and that makes sense. We're doing creative work. We're doing thought work. There's always a piece of ourself inside of the work that we do. And so what happens is that makes it really hard to take the distance that we need and really fix the work machine when it needs fixing. We get really caught up in the actors that are involved in the system. And so we default to thinking, if things aren't going well, there's a problem with me or there's a problem with the people. Even when we do get to thinking that there's actually a problem with the system, we start thinking that we need to fix it. We're not thinking at that higher level. We're thinking that, oh, I'm going to come along. As a leader, I'm not doing a good enough job of managing the system, so I'm going to fix it. Now, the issue is, this doesn't really work. For one, it's coming from a paradigm that I, as the leader, need to fix the system. For another, it's coming from the paradigm that the team, as they are, aren't capable of fixing the system. Handing down process is actually disempowering, and it's a common mistake because it's the old paradigm of leadership. What's the new paradigm? The new paradigm is creating teams that are capable of iterating on themselves, self-diagnosing, and self-improving. And this is really at the core of the Agile approach and the Agile philosophy. What does that mean for us as leaders? It means that rather than doing the improvement of our teams, we actually need to delegate that responsibility to our teams. Now, a couple of objections tend to come up pretty frequently when we talk about this. Some people feel that their teams aren't going to take this on. Well, why not? Did you hire people who aren't concerned about growth? Do your people not have enough time to worry about growth or to think about improving things? Do you disincentivize growth? Which there are many ways to do. Usually it's one of those three ingredients. As leaders, we see that the job is not getting done. And so then we decide that we need to intervene. And we're right. We do need to intervene, but not the way we're thinking. We don't need to intervene, identify the problems, and improve the process. We need to focus on the one problem, that the team is not doing this for itself. And then we need to ask, how can we create a team that is self-improving?
Now, this is a really valuable question, and it's one of the highest leverage things that we can do as leaders. Think about it. As a leader, your time could be spent telling people how to do their work. You're not really in the day-to-day, at least you shouldn't probably be. And so you're not really the user of the process that you're handing down. What you're doing is handing down a process that theoretically makes your life easier. What if you allowed the team to design the process that makes their life easier? Wouldn't a well-performing team solve pretty much all of your major problems? And that's the key. This is the essence of do less to do more. You can either start solving all of your team's process issues, or you can solve the one issue of your team not solving its own issues. Which one would you prefer? Are you able to give up that control? Are you, as a manager, willing to and able to see your team succeed in a way that you hadn't imagined or prescribed? Imagine the awesome abundance of ideas that can come from letting the people who are doing the work and the people who are really knee-deep in the processes that they're working with come up with the solutions. Do you believe that you are the one who will come up with all of the best solutions? Is that because you hired people who are less intelligent than you? Less creative? Less good at solving problems? Why did you hire those people? (laughs) What made you want to bring them on? I don't think you did. I don't think you hired people who aren't as intelligent as you. In fact, as a good manager, you've probably hired people that are much smarter than you. So now the thing to do is to step out of the way. How can we step out of the way and empower at the same time? Well, the funny thing is they go hand in hand. If we're in the way, then the team is not empowered. If the team needs our permission to do something, then they are not empowered. They are subject to us. On the other hand, if we guide and coach our teams, if instead of bottlenecking and prescribing, we empower. If we say, hey, how would you solve this problem? What do you think will improve this? How can you and the team make this better for all of you? And let them come up with the solution. Maybe help with a bit of root cause analysis. Maybe be a soundboard but do actually the utmost to not inject our ideas. Well, then, by removing ourselves from the process, we would not only be creating a more effective team that is able to grow on its own, to identify those issues, to come up with solutions, 
but we'd be taking a ton of work off of our own plates. That is the very definition of effective leadership. We are reducing the amount of work that needs to be done. All at the same time, we are getting better results. And we are growing the people below us. And of course, our teams will be much happier. What could possibly go wrong about it? Well, that's a good question. For starters, this process takes a little bit of time. Delegating, changing culture, coming up with new ways of working and, and shifting the way that a team responds and behaves within their environment takes time. It's easy to try something like this for a month, decide that the first results aren't good, and scrap it. In fact, that's one of the biggest failings. As an analogy, it's really common to hear new managers, even experienced managers, talk about how much of a challenge it is to delegate work. This is true. Delegating work is really hard. But it becomes worth it because it's impossible to grow as a leader, as a company, as managers, if we aren't delegating work. We can't do everything eventually. We have to, to use the sports analogy, we have to step off the field and, and guide from behind the bench. We can't score all the goals on our own. So when we're talking about delegation and the challenges, most people have this kind of instinct where they try it, they don't get what they want. They say, this would have been easier if I'd done it myself, and they default back to doing that. It's true. At first, it's easier to do something yourself than to delegate. At first, it's easier to work for someone else than to start your own company. Um, the money is guaranteed. The clients are there. You know, at first, a lot of things that are very worthwhile that end up leading to exponential growth are hard. And our first experiences with them would lead us to think that they're not worthwhile. But they are. Once we start delegating, and once we do that effectively, we can become exponentially effective. Our teams will produce great results, and as leaders, we'll be able to move up the ladder and have larger leverage, larger reach, and larger impact. In fact, if you haven't delegated, it's very hard to be replaced because you need to keep doing that work. Bringing the analogy again back to the greater team leadership, if you're not delegating the job of growing the team, then you'll always have to do it. And let's be realistic. The only growth can ever really come from inside of the grower. If somebody tells you, hey, grow this way, here's how to do it, you might already be open to it. You might not. Even if you're open to it, you're going to have to put your own spin on it, do your own research. It's normally going to be really hard to just follow someone else's advice. It won't apply to you exactly. 
And if you don't really want to grow in that way, then it's just not going to happen at all. Even if you agree, you'll probably resist and end up not doing it. So when we look at how we need to manage our teams to really be effective, what we need to consider is that the growth has to come from within them. What that means is we need to prompt them to create a culture where we stop to reflect and think about how we want to grow, where we can be intentional about it. Eventually, when we get really good at this as a team, it'll happen very organically and it'll happen in the flow of events. When we're starting to try to create this cultural change, we want to do it with prompts. We want to sit the team down, create the atmosphere where the conditions for growth are appropriate, and we need to prompt them to think of these things, to think of the areas of growth, to figure out where they would like to spread their roots, where they would like to grow their next branch as individuals and as a team. And when we do that, to continue with the plant analogy, the fruits that are born of this process will grow exponentially each year. The first year I grew raspberries, I think I got about 10 of them and they were very small. I cultivated the plants. I pruned the ones that weren't going to produce very much fruit. We focused on the strongest plants. And this year we have a good 100 or 200 fully grown mature plants. And this is only two years in. That's two growing seasons. Luckily at work, the growing season is much shorter. You can iterate on your process and hit that next level exponential growth much more quickly. You don't have to wait an entire year. Many hold retrospectives every two weeks. Some of them hold them every month. The key is that using the retrospective tool, and there are other ways to do this, but by using the retrospective tool, which is a common one, we can bring the team together and cultivate that growth. Take just a little step or two forward that will help the team grow. And the team will select these steps. You won't have to do the analysis. You won't have to spend hours designing process. All you need to do is be with your team, appreciate who they are as human beings, see that they have a ton of valuable potential, and recognize that when it comes to improving their process, while you may have tons of experience and a lot of valuable advice to add, ultimately, the only real effective improvement is going to have to come from them. And again, when we achieve that, there's no tug of war. There's no us versus them. There's no compliance. 
there's only what is the next thing that we would like to grow what is the next area where we'd like to do better and there's not a hundred areas there might be a lot of ideas about how to improve ultimately we choose the most important one or two as a team and when we do those well we move on to the next and that reduces the chaos and the juggling and it increases everyone's self-esteem and energy and sense of progress wouldn't you like to manage your team that way <laughs>